Graham Lynch. This is Comms Day Live. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking with James Spensley, who, of course, is the founder of Focus. He's gone from Focus, and now he's the chair of Airtasker, and most recently, Swoop, who listed on the Australian Securities, Securities Exchange just last week. We'll also be talking to Simon Ducks, our chief editor, about an innovation in fiber optics that could lead to dramatic improvements in latency, and also about a new infrastructure player in Australia called Everest. But first up, the inimitable Rowan Pierce, executive editor of Comms Day. Welcome, Rowan. Hi, Graham. <laughs> okay, we'll start off um, by talking about uh, some reaction to a green paper that the federal government put out uh, last year. Um, regarding the future of the 600 megahertz Hertz spectrum that's used currently by free-to-air television in Australia. There, there's some thinking about reclaiming about half of that and allocating it for, guess what, 5G. <laughs> Rowan, there's been some reaction from both the free TV lobby and from Optus this week. Tell us all about it. So, so in summary, TV, nah. Uh, telcos, yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, so so like you said, the idea is really that um, if the broadcasters could be a bit more efficient with their use of spectrum and free up a bit, then they would get like a bunch of regulatory relief, including no um, spectrum license tax. Uh, in return, there'd be kind of, uh, I guess, like a second digital dividend auction, which would let uh, telcos get their hands on um, up to 84 megahertz in the 600 megahertz band. Obviously, it's kind of low band spectrum, very appealing to a lot of the telcos. So the, the reactions, like I said, the broadcasters are not um, that impressed by the idea. Like I, I was reading the free TV um, Australia submission and their thing was like, well, never, never say never, but... Um, they think that the government's timeline is kind of unrealistic, like the government had this kind of tentative mid-2020s timeline. Um, and the, the other thing is, uh, I guess the broadcasters are saying, well, we want a kind of... Um, firstly, we want a timeline that reflects a natural transition among consumers in terms of their receivers being able to support more modern standards. But also they want to ensure there's a pathway for um, the broadcasters in terms of possible like 4K and 8K broadcasts. Um, I also took a look, look at the Optus submission, which, you know, unsurprisingly was quite enthusiastic about the idea of freeing up um, Spectrum. Um, but they, they also made the point that, you know, increasingly TV can be delivered over mobile and fixed networks as well as its own satellites, which um, obviously Optus is the current uh, provider of the vast service for on behalf of the Australian government. So they actually one of the interesting things too is like the, you know, Optus dropped a few things in there about Optus 12, which is planning as a replacement for D3, which currently delivers the vast service um so that'll be a, a software defined high throughput satellite and optus said it could be a potential also a potential replacement from nbn skymaster as well as delivering mobile services okay terrific um moving on the commonwealth bank uh held a um i, I guess for want of a better word a kind of a, a media event about a week ago where they talked about a lot of their plans in in the digital space and they they dropped a mention that they want to partner with NBN RSPs. What's all that about? Yeah, so that was that was an interesting one. So it, the kind of the context was that um, last month, Commonwealth Bank revealed that it had taken um, a significant uh, minority stake in a online shopping startup called Little Birdie, as well as a company called Amber, which provides subscription-based access to wholesale electricity prices. Um, so that was a kind of context, and and Matt Common um, told uh, this update that. 
you know, the bank was looking at um, when people take out a home loan, it's often at the point where they're considering, you know, what are the services that they actually need? Um, so the bank's been looking at, you know, partnering with these kind of utility-style services. So that was kind of context. The other bit of the context was also the kind of high level of digital engagement that the bank is seeing with its services. And so um, in that light, you know, Matt Common did drop the thing about, like, well, they could potentially partner with MBN RSPs, and I guess it's quite significant given the kind of scale and reach of CBA. I was actually thinking, and... Um, this might sound weird, but it reminds me a bit of the old Dolomite scheme that CBA used to run for kids, which actually ran into some controversy recently, which we won't touch on. But that idea of like, you know, they're building this kind of like really long term and all encompassing relationship with their retail banking customers. So I guess there's kind of that thing of like, you know, CBA, CBA delivering everything you need for, you know, to get you in your home and then to move into it. Um, I, I guess the other side too is that, like, there's probably no other entity quite like CBA that has as much data on, like, Australian retail spending habits as well. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Rowan. See you next week. See ya. Well, moving on and taking a look at the week that was in comms day, we have the chief editor of Simon Ducks with us. Hi, Simon. Hello there, Graham. Well, um, let's start off by uh, taking a look at a very interesting story you wrote this week about an American Towerco investor called Everest Infrastructure. Do they live up to that name? Yes, uh, Everest, another uh, Towerco coming into the Australian market. Quite interesting. We uh, sort of prefaced them a little bit when we were talking about Johnny's and Edge Centres because uh, Everest are going to build a bunch of towers on his data centers as well. So we took the opportunity to have a chat to the new CEO, Will Heapy. And uh, essentially, uh, Everest uh, is a big American tower co, uh, and uh, they're backed by uh, uh, Pepper Tree as well uh, in the States. Uh, I think uh, from memory, they're managing uh, 4,000 sites uh, throughout the US. And uh, they were originally what uh, is termed a land co. So they were owning and trying to lease the land that the towers sit on. Uh, but they've been transforming themselves into a so-called tower co. Um, uh, a little bit of a nuanced difference. Uh, and uh, there's a couple of land co companies uh, like LDC uh, in Australia as well. And uh, what Will was explaining to me was that uh, their absolute intention is to come in here and uh, act as a Tauco. And uh, they've managed to shift their portfolio into about 80% ownership of uh, uh, their own towers, essentially. So this transformation is happening. Obviously, they're turning up at a time when uh, it's a febrile uh, feeling in uh, tower sales uh, and potential uh, partial sales, at least, uh, with uh, Optus and uh, also Infraco later in the year. And uh, so uh, no doubt Everest will be looking at those. But one of the things he wanted to emphasize first uh, for the first couple of years, what they're going to be focusing on is what he called micro aggregation. And essentially that's almost um, sound a bit like D-Day, taking building by building. uh, And that's what you're actually doing to build up a portfolio of assets. 
typically disaggregated. So you might go into a town, uh, do a deal with a potential landlord that's got access to four or five buildings uh, for sites, and then they actually uh, will manage them on their behalf. And so you build that all up into a uh, essentially a portfolio and uh, run it from there. And then obviously you have uh, cross-selling opportunities and so on. So it's going to be quite interesting how that plays out. Uh, I, will told me that they're probably looking at doing that for the first six to 12 months, but uh, they're keeping one eye obviously on the big tower sales. Uh, uh, he mentioned the fact that uh, we're probably looking at about a thousand towers in uh, Australia that are unaligned with any of the current tower codes or the mobile network operators. And uh, so, you know, there could be opportunities to deal, whether it's with local councils, utility providers, other government agencies, depending where the ownership sits. And, uh, you know, they'll be happy to have a strike at one of those. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot more activity because uh, as uh, you and I were talking, it's quite interesting when you line up seven, eight potential bidders to buy a partial stake in Optus. Uh, you know, seven of those are not actually going to get it. So there's going to be a lot of money in the table uh, looking to find a home. Yes, good point there. Um, Moving on, um, you had another in-depth technical story, the type for which you are becoming renowned, Simon, (laughs) Um, on on an innovation in fiber optics technology, which uh, this time doesn't deal with the bandwidth, but with the latency that's right. Uh, it's uh, hollow core fiber. Essentially, uh, if you can imagine, uh, airfield central core, the outer ring's glass, uh, and it essentially guides the laser beam. And the key about it is uh, it light travels uh, nearly 50% faster through air than glass. Uh, so it takes about a third less time to send data through hollow core. Uh, than the same length of standard fiber. So I managed to uh, speak to a couple of uh, UK-based companies, the incumbent BT. Uh, They have an excellent fiber researcher, uh, Professor Andrew Lord, uh, who is also uh, BT Senior Manager of Optical Research. And uh, he was telling me about a potential trial, that, uh, well, a real trial that they're doing with Mavenir. Uh, And uh, it's quite interesting because they're actually looking at using this fiber to... uh, actually connect up the uh, from the exchange out to uh, potential antenna sites so he thinks that you know this has the potential to reduce mobile network costs allowing more uh, 5g antennas to be served from a, a single exchange or mobile edge point which is quite interesting and uh, i spoke to another uh, company called eu networks and they were one of these uh, companies that ended up uh, out of a bunch of acquisitions acquiring a pan-European wholesale network. And one of the key things that they're pushing uh, is the uh, latency aspects of this uh, fiber because they're targeting the financial sector. And they actually have a commercial um, deployment. Uh, They've got an Turkshan exchange over to the London Stock Exchange uh, direct connection. And, of course, uh, for that, uh, we're looking at... um, Uh, Every microsecond counts uh, when you're doing day trading, uh, high frequency trading and so on. And uh, as as we know, you know, you saw a lot of uh, microwave coming into uh, Wall Street uh, because of the fact that uh, everybody was just trying to uh, even overcome and just get that 
using the uh, hollow core actually starts uh, switching it back uh, in favor of uh, some of the glass essentially so then you might not get some of the downsides of doing it over the air essentially so they've uh, got some interest uh, I, I spoke to Kevin Dean uh, the marketing officer there and uh, he mentioned the fact that um, in addition to uh, what uh, they've put in he said in real world world terms they are actually getting the one-third uh, latency reduction which they were hoping for and they said that adds up to three microseconds per kilometer now uh, in the financial sector you know that stuff does start to add up uh, essentially and uh, he thinks that by uh, the end of next year they'll have deployed 70 kilometers of hollow core fiber in their network so it's going to be a very interesting one to watch uh, and it's not going to be for every application but uh, what you're going to see is that uh, particularly uh, when 5g you know give it five to seven years is uh, really trying to grasp some of those low latency applications then in certain uh, ways this may be a particular um, technology to use in uh, edge uh, deployments essentially for uh, some of the operators and uh, the final thing is uh, you can imagine uh, with hollow glass it might feel as though it might be difficult to splice but they actually do have uh, splicing uh, uh, mechanisms uh, for doing that if you try and connect it up to a single mode uh, fiber network it's a little bit tricky at the moment just because you can't get the uh, potential loss down as low as if you're just doing um, single mode to single mode but that's something they're working on and uh, getting a lot of progress as well yeah that's very interesting it, it evokes for me um uh, an innovation um, announced by, I think it was John Coffey at ASIA uh, a few years back called Terabit TSL. It was the same principle where um, you have air spaces in the copper cable and the, the sheath around the copper cable and you send a radio signal down it instead of sending your signal down the copper itself. Uh, I don't think his idea went anywhere, but um, or maybe, maybe it was just a little ahead of its time. Who knows? The, the other interesting thing is that in comms day this week, we've had a bit of coverage on on space optical communications, basically literally using laser beams to communicate with satellites. And, and this is seen as superior to um, to using uh, the more conventional uh, radio spectrum. Anyway, fascinating stuff. Thank you once again, Simon. Thanks again, Graham. Well, now it's time for our feature interview in this week's episode with James Spensley. Now, uh, James may need no introduction for many of you. He's the founder of Focus Communications um, over a decade ago. And of course, that's grown to be the fourth largest telco in Australia and uh, shortly to be sold if all things go well in a multi-billion dollar deal to Mira and Aware Super. James is James moved on from Focus a few years ago, and he, he now uh, very much is the uh, professional board director. He's notably the chair of Airtasker, um, the uh, freelance jobs marketplace. And he's also the chair of Swoop Telecommunications, the wireless ISP, which listed uh, just a few days ago. And um, as I speak, was trading at about just, just under double its listing price, so doing very well. Anyway, I caught up with James um, in a coffee shop, so a little noisy. We're going to do a little bit of editing to get some of the noise out. Um, and I asked him, first of all, how does it feel to be back in telco? 
Oh, I love Jocko. It's, it's one of those things that touches every single person. Everyone has to buy it. Um, and doing Telco better actually helps people. You know, it's really good. Like in some of these regional areas, people aren't getting internet, and we're offering them, you know, double they're getting crap, you know, crappy internet, and we offer them wireless solution, which is double the speed of NBN to the same price. Um, it's pretty exciting. So, is that what attracted you to Swoop? Um, that USP in terms of the uh, field of operations? Exactly right. Yeah, it's 246 towers around the country. You know, most of them not in um, CBD areas. So we're in outer metro and regional areas, um, which is the areas that most of the big guys don't focus on. You know, Aussie Broadband's built a really successful business. You know, not so much focusing. Well, they started building the business by not focusing on the on the metro areas. So yeah, I think it's underserved, under advertised. It's cheaper to reach people. People are more loyal when you invest in their town and you know build it. And, you know, so it's yeah, it's certainly our our focus. Now you made the observation that um, your stock prices might benefit from the fact that Focus, which is worth about $3.5 billion, is about to be privatized. And that will effectively unlock a lot of investment funds um, that are pro-telco looking for other telcos to invest in. Well, I think you can't really... I mean, there's no planning involved in that. That's just just coincidence. And I think the thing is people like to have a, um, an allocation to telco because it's defendable, it's pretty much COVID safe, maybe even COVID benefits you know, in terms of people that are probably more, more Zoom, more home usage, you know, they're, they're more concerned about their internet. So um, telco's a great place to be. Is, you know, to, the focus has been up from its lows at 250 to you know, kind of 5, 550 now. Um, Unity Wireless has seen a lot of capital flow into it. They're doing a great job. And I think a, a little bit of the timing in the run in Unity share price is, is timed with that with that focus bid. So I think there's been a, a rotation out of focus into unity um, but there is you know people want to have an allocation to telco and there's not much um, you know there's not much to invest in now uh, of course you also have all these big um, investment funds and super funds that are wanting to buy into towers as well there's only a limited amount of tower um, opportunities out there so could that benefit swoop as well anything with the word infrastructure in it that's growing is hugely of interest um, and I think it, and again it's that defendability if you own the infrastructure the margins are high enough you can deal with you know, a tax from the government you know for regional you can deal with you know some margin compression you know, through NBN you know you own the infrastructure you, you, you're in control which makes it again a safer investment now are there any synergies between your um uh, chairmanship of Airtasker and Swoop? Actually, really good point. I, you don't immediately think it because Airtasker is such a different business model. You know, for Airtasker brings people um, who want to work together with people who need stuff done. So, um, but the, the Airtasker is a really digital business. You know, we have a huge acquisition channel for jobs and advertising that's uh, you know SEO and SEM based. You know, both you know, where, where you appear on the page and also the ads. And I've learned a lot about digital marketing and user experience. You know, the um, the tech world is so focused on the user interface, the way that you get found, um, because that's their bread and butter. They don't actually sell anything other than being found. And so taking that into Telco, I think, is, is going to be a bit of, a bit of secret sauce for us, because um, I don't think Telco does digital acquisition, you know, digital marketing, as well as the, you know, the tech industry. Now, it's really interesting you say that, because Optus is thinking along the same lines of their living network initiative, you know, where, where the end customer has an app that they can use to control the network. Um, what do you think of that? 
I don't think there's been innovation in telco for you know, 10 plus years. You know, the last innovation was going you know, unlimited plans and then everyone's just sort of stuck there and, and me too. So yeah, I think how you reach customers, how you interact with customers, how easy the journey is to sign up. Like, it's actually really hard to sign up on most. Uh, you know, Optus' example, I use this as a demonstration, is I tried to go and buy something on the Optus website. It takes me like 35 clicks to find what I want. Um, you know, in the tech world, that should be three or four clicks or, or someone's you know, at it with a user experience team. You know? um, so I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there and, and Optus, that turning, even just turning the internet off, supremely clever, right? Because people want to do it and it also helps you with, you know, with, with your CVC you know, NBN issues. It's like brilliant, you know? <laughs> Giving people what they want and reducing costs. <laughs> and it's going to be at peak times, right? You're not turning the internet off at, at 2pm in the afternoon. You're turning it off at 7.30 at night, which is peak time. Um, very clever. So finally, um, as the founder of Focus, I was interested in your opinion of what Bivens Slattery is doing with Hyper One because it's an audacious plan to fibre out the country. Um, what do you make of it? Well, I think Bivens got a great plan. Um, there's always been the need for uh, another cable. Um, you know, TPG, for example, I think their lease on, on Optus that AVT had is coming up in a few years. Um, so I don't, you know, that... I don't know that that's going to get renewed. Um, so I think there, there is demand. Bevan's supremely good at identifying that stuff. But, you know, it's a long way between announcing it and actually having the money and then having the ability to build it and then having enough customers to survive. Yes. Most companies that have built that kind of infrastructure in the country have gone broke. You know, um, IP1, you remember in the back of the day, yes. disappeared. Um, Next Gen, the original one, you know, disappeared and, and came back out of it. Um, there's not many people that have made it successful so I think it's got a big challenge but he's a big guy he could be if there's anyone who can do it be Bevan that's it for comms day live this week hope you enjoyed the show see you next time